It's a high-stakes election year, so it's not enough to just follow along. You need to understand what's happening so you are fully informed come November. Every weekday on the NPR Politics Podcast, our political reporters break down important stories and backstories from the campaign trail so you understand why it matters to you. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Are we... On a walk or on a run right now? Just vibes. Yep. <laughs> we're up time. It's like we're 18 minutes in. All right. You ready? Uh-huh. Good walking. That's New York Times health reporter Danielle Friedman out with Martinus Evans, then out for a run or maybe a walk. So my thing was like, I'm slow. Slow is subjective. Like, I don't want people to be like, oh, I'm slow. Like, let me feel bad for myself. To me, it's like, no, I'm slow and I'm proud of it. Martinus Evans is the founder of the Slow AF Run Club and the man behind the Instagram account 300 Pounds and Running. He is inspiring his followers not just to get out and run, but to see themselves in a more positive light. He's written a book, which is fascinating, The Slow AF Run Club, The Ultimate Guide for Anyone Who Wants to Run. And I spoke with Martinus Evans in June. Slow AF, where does that come from? Oh man, Slow AF comes from um, an instance where I was running a marathon and I got heckled by somebody. And he told me, yo, you slow. You need to go home. And I had an argument with him. And I was like, you know, you need to go home because you're drunk and I'm the one running the race. And from that moment on, I, I vowed to wear slow AF on my shirts. Every race that I run as a badge of honor to let people know that, yeah, I might be slow, but I'm out here doing it. So we went up to beepless or bleep it. Um, but do you want to explain what slow AF actually means? <laughs> well, slow AF, you know, for the internet terms means slow as beep. But how I like to think of it is that slow AF can mean anything. It's up to for debate. because it, So it can mean slow and fat run club. It can mean slow and fabulous. I think AF is for anybody to decide what they, what they want it to mean. Take me into the doctor's office uh, in 2012. You go there for a visit and you see your doctor and your doctor says what? Yeah, so I'm sitting there, and my doctor's like, Mr. Evans, you're fat. You need to lose weight or die. Matt, let me just give you a little more context to that. Like, I went to that doctor because I was having hip issues. Um, I was working at a job that required me to be on my feet for 8 to 10 hours a day. So I went to go see a orthopedic specialist. It was the first time me ever meeting this doctor. And as I'm telling him, you know, what's going on with my hip, he was like, I know, I know why you're in pain. You're fat. You need to lose weight or die. So I got frustrated, infuriated, because I'm there because of this hip issue. He's He has this whole other thing he, that he wants to tell me. So he's like, you know, you got this stomach as a pregnant woman. You need to start walking on the track. You need to start walking on the track slowly. You need to buy some walking shoes. And I say, screw that. Screw you. I'm going to run a marathon. And he laughed at me, told me that was the most dumbest thing he has heard in all his years of practicing medicine. Why did you say that to him? Screw you. I'm going to run a marathon. One of the things that you, you'll notice as a person of size is that you go to the doctor, you can have a broken arm. Your arm can be falling off your shoulder. But if you fat, that doctor is like, oh, yeah, we'll get to that arm. But let, let me talk about your weight first. So I was frustrated. I was being facetious because he was like, you know, you need to start walking. And I'm like, no, nah, skip all that. I'm going to go run. I'm going to do the most extreme thing possible. Had you ever done any running before? No. So I played uh, football in high school and college. So running was a punishment to be perfectly clear. I didn't even know what a marathon was back then. You know, I was saying um, to my friends, like, yo, I'm going to do this 5K marathon. And it was like, no, wait, 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 Martinez. Like, there's a 5K and there's a marathon. 
but they're they are not they're not the same. <laughs> so once I really found out like what a marathon was, I was like, oh, I get it now. But still, I said it. I put it out in the universe. I'm going to run this marathon. You grew up in Detroit. Yes. What was life like for you growing up as a kid in that city? The, growing up in Detroit was rough. Um, before the age of 10, I had two brothers pass from, uh, on me. So mm-hmm. I had a brother who was in the streets, and he passed by doing street things. And I had another brother who died by suicide when I was 10, and I seen his body. So I'm sorry. Just to, thank you. So just imagine, you know, you, you have that on you. You're living next to a crack house. You know, you're passing it every day. And individuals are t- constantly telling you that you're going to end up like your brother's. You tried out, you talked about being a football player. You tried out for the youth football team. What happened then? So I tried out for the youth football team and I was overweight. And one of the things that they made us do, the individuals who were overweight, was made us wear garbage bags during tryouts. So they used to call us garbage kids. So we had to run around the football field during tryouts with these garbage bags on. And all over the guys are sweating off the fat in order to make the team. What does something like that do to a young person? It makes you think that you're useless because you're a person of size. Like, theoretically, like, I was in a garbage bag. So it makes you think that you are trash. You don't belong. That's what it does to somebody who's a person of size and they're being younger. Can I ask you about the F word? And not not that F word, but the <laughs> other F word, which is a word that you've used a couple of times already in the course of the yeah. conversation, and that's fat. You write about this earlier on in the book, and, and you say that it's a value neutral description, you using that word. Can you tell me about that? What, what does that word mean to you? Yeah. So imagine growing up the same thing, you know, and people calling you fat and it, it's meant to demeanor you. It's meant to show that you're morally inferior than somebody else. And, you know, one of the things I want to be able to do is reclaim that word and let people know that fat should be used as generally as somebody saying that their eyes are brown or their hair is blonde. After you decided that you were going to run the marathon, having told the doctor that, but as you said, you put it out in the universe, you went and you ran on a treadmill. Tell me what happened when you, when you stepped on that treadmill. Yeah, man. So I get on this treadmill, and I'm inconveniently sandwiched between two gazelles. One guy is going 10 on the treadmill, and the other guy is going 9. And I thought to myself, you know what? I can at least go 7. So I got on the treadmill, and my life flashed before my eyes. 15 seconds later, I fell off the treadmill. And the sound my body made when it hit that ground was deafening. Um, I was mortified when I gra- gathered everything and got up out of there with tears in my eyes. You know, I thought to myself, maybe the doctor was right. And it wasn't until I got home and I have this tattoo on my right wrist that says no struggle, no progress. And, you know, I seen that tattoo and, and, and it's a, a shout out or not to the famous 1857 Frederick Douglass speech mm-hmm. of the same name. And I knew what I had to do. I had to go through the struggle. This journey was not going to be given to me easily. It's a high-stakes election year, so it's not enough to just follow along. You need to understand what's happening so you are fully informed come November. Every weekday on the NPR Politics Podcast, our political reporters break down important stories and backstories from the campaign trail so you understand why it matters to you. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This book that you've written, you say, in many ways is for, for non-traditional runners. Who are non-traditional runners? What, is the, what does that mean? Non-traditional runners are people who, who are historically not seen on 
you know, modern media or uh, on covers of magazines, right? These are the individuals who are um, too fat, too slow, too fill in the blank to be a runner. And these are the people that are my people and the people of the Slow F Run Club. You say that they have been underserved. How so? Well, a few things, right? Most of my runners and even myself, right? When you run in these road races, being in the back, I've been left with no water. I've been left to try to find the finish line myself because they've taken down the signs. I've been left with no metal. Even though I paid my money, they make it seem as my green money is not equivalent to somebody else who runs faster than me. So that's what I mean by being underserved. I mean, that can even start feeling underserved when you decide that you're going to run, right? So you go to a store and and you want to buy shoes, you want to go and buy running clothes. What are you up against um, in in trying to just get the basics to get out and, and go for a run? We're in a society where people are like, you lose weight, get faster. Or like they see a fat person, like you need to lose weight. Okay, well, let me go try to find clothes. On that day that I went to go buy running shoes, I also stopped by a a big box retailer to get clothes and they didn't have anything to fit me. And the, the guy, the sales associate insisted that I was a size that I wasn't. So I went in the fitting room and put this shirt on and cut it and get it off me. So I had to rip it off me like the hawk. And then I made a beeline out the, out the door because I was just so embarrassed on the fact that nobody believed that I am this size. How did you prepare for the first marathon that you ran? So it took me about 18 months to actually run a marathon. And I was very methodical. So I did couch to 5K and then ran a couple 5Ks and then did a 5K to 10K bridge, did that, and then did my first half marathon. And it was very, very methodical steps of, all right, I did a 5K, check that off, did a 10K, check that off, did a half marathon, check that off. Okay, I think I'm ready to train for a full. What are some of the things when you ran that marathon? What are some of the things that happened to you during that first marathon? I would say the first half of the marathon was amazing. The second half was kind of rough. So there was this bus, you know, we call it the Sagwick wagon. So it stands for support and gear. Every mile from about mile 19 to the end of the race, this guy would come alongside of me and say, hey, big man, you want to ride to the finish line? And it was almost like taunting me, right? Of like, hey, get in this thing because I know you're not going to finish. And I get all the way to like mile 25 and I, I just have like a blow up at this guy. Because he's coming mile at the mile. Hey, big man, get in the car. Hey, big man, get in the car. Then I'm like, yo, I am less than a mile away. Why would you even offer this to me? And his words were, I can't help that you're slow and fat. I thought I was helping you out. You finished the race. Yeah, I did. What did it feel like when you crossed the finish line? I wept, man. It was amazing. I cried tears. I've never cried before, man. From that moment on, I knew that I can do anything as long as I put my mind to it, even though it took time, right? Training for this marathon showed me that there's there's actually honoring patience and doing the hard work month over month, day after day, being consistent and persistent in your journey so that you can get to the finish line, be your own proverbial marathon. I mean, a marathon is about the distance. For a lot of people, it's also about the time. And so for you... What time did you finish the marathon and how long did it take you? Um, it took me a little bit over seven hours. Did you think about time? Did you think about where you would finish, the, the position that you would finish in that race? No, not necessarily. You know, there's this phrase that uh, I was taught early on and, and it's called the celebration is in the application. So you should be celebrating yourself that, actually, that you actually got off the couch and applied yourself versus the actual result of getting through the thing. 
there's a part in the book in which you ask people who might be doubting themselves that they can do this to, in your words, check your self-talk. What does that mean? We all have an inner critic. And one of the things I learned throughout this journey is that, you know, not everything you think is real and not everything you feel is real. And it's all due to this inner critic. So one of the things that I've done is give my inner critic a persona. So my inner critic name is Otis. I named him. He has a backstory. He's like a drunk uncle. He's going to say wild and inappropriate stuff to you. And by doing that, you can separate your feelings and your thoughts away from you, especially the negative stuff, and have a conversation with Otis, for lack of a better word, to say, you know, I know what you're saying to me. I like, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to prevent me from going dis- through discomfort, but I need to go through discomfort in order to get the other to the other side. A huge part of this in what you've done and what you're talking about and what comes out through the book is this idea that you belong here, that people belong in that space. And there are, I mean, you've talked about some of the obstacles in terms of the abuse that you face, but what are some of the other things that you have come up against that would make you question whether you belong in this sport? Imagine going to a, a, a running club and they say all paces are welcome and you get there and the pace that you run, they don't have anybody to support you. What happened in that? I mean, there's that up. idea of no one's going to be left behind in a running group. What happened when you joined one of those <laughs> groups and, and th- th- that wasn't the case? I got left behind and I had to fend for myself. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why I created this Slow F Run Club is to let people know that while we may not meet in person, we would never leave you behind and we're going to make sure that you're supported on and off the course. One of the other issues that you raise is the concerns of running while black. Um, what have you faced? Right. So being a, a black runner in this, right, you know, I have to go back to what happened to Amar Arbery a few years back. That almost broke me. Right? He was out running and then was, was hounded and, and, and shot and killed. And, and just to see that black man and, and see what happened to him, like I, I saw myself in his shoes. You know, I spent a lot of time outside running. And sometimes at times where it's not necessarily generally accepted. Imagine, like I'm training for a marathon. So I'm out there for six, seven hours. And the best way to do this is, is to run before the sun is out. So there has been times where I've been stopped by the police. I've been handcuffed. I've been slammed on uh, hot hoods just on the notion of I'm doing something suspicious or I shouldn't be outside at this time because I'm a black man. You've become, as I said, more than, than just a runner for a lot of people. You're an inspiration. And I wonder, part of this is about what you've written. Part of this is about doing things like posing nude for Men's Health magazine. Why did you do that? There's still... And out there, men of size who also have issues about their body and their body image. And I wanted them to let them know that, you know, as a 300 plus pound man, that I can be comfortable in my body so much, so comfortable that I can pose new in men's health and let the whole world to see that if I can do it, you can at least take the first step to at least start to feel comfortable in the skin that you're already in. So for people who might think, they're just not cut out for this. They, they, they might want to do this, but they have experienced all of the shame and the stigma that you talked about over the course of the conversation. What's the piece of advice that you would give them about how they would get out and, and give this a shot? Two things. Practice delusional self-belief. This is- <laughs> delusional self-belief? <laughs> delusional self-belief. This is the notion that uh, you believe in yourself so much that everybody else around you think you're delusional, right? I told the doctor I was going to run a marathon, and he told me if I ran a marathon, I'll die on the course. I've ran eight marathons so far and I still ain't died. The second thing is that you got to do it afraid. You know, I think that a lot of people, you let fear 
um, take over for us, right? And what's the worst thing that can happen? Somebody tell you you're fat? You already know that. What I notice is that the things that I've told myself is way more worse than anything else somebody else can come up with. So if I can battle with my own mind and battle with Otis, the next guy is not as strong. Their words don't stink as much. I hope we have the chance at some point in time in future to go on a run together. In the meantime, this is a really inspirational book and a powerful message for people who could um, could, could really do with hearing something like this. Thank you very much for talking to us and, and good Thank luck. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Martinus Evans' book is The Slow AF Run Club, the ultimate guide for anyone who wants to run. I spoke with him in June. If you are picking up running for the first time, perhaps, this January, good luck. You got this. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.